Uh, you can say good morning back to me if you're here. Good morning, everybody up in Marowa. Can you give me a big good morning up in Marowa so I know you're there? Okay, everybody here, can you say good morning, Dean? Okay, all right. I feel like I was a little afraid. I wasn't sure if you could hear me, if the mic was on. Hey, we are together uh, in a couple different spaces today. We're up in Marrower here. And can we all give a big clap and shout for everybody watching online? Welcome, everybody, online. If you are home, if you are having to isolate, thanks so much. If you are uh, watching online, it is great uh, to be with you this morning. And we are in a series right now we're going to be looking at. It's called uh, Better. If you have been here the last few weeks or following online, you'll know uh, that we're in this series called Better that's all about how do we keep moving from where we are to where God wants us to be. Uh, God, the, the picture of the, the life of following Jesus in the scriptures is that there is progress we are making in our faith. The, the, one of the fancy words for that is called sanctification, that our lives are being transformed. We're becoming to look more like Jesus and experience more of his life in and through us. If you're someone who's here and you're not a person of faith, uh, welcome. It's so good to have you here or, or watching online uh, because we really believe that God has great things that he dreams for our lives and he actually he loves us exactly how we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. That's why we're looking at this whole idea of making progress as we follow Jesus. Now to do this, we've been looking at the life of a guy named Peter. He starts off uh, in his journey. We know him as Simon. And we get to watch so much of his journey of how God takes him from being Simon, where he started, to becoming Peter, the rock who fulfills uh, God's plans and dreams for his life. And so today we're going to keep looking at uh, his life and one more scene in his life that I think, and here's the thing, if you're a person uh, watching or with us today, if you're there and you know you want to follow Christ, I believe that uh, what we're going to talk about today may be one of the absolute keys uh, for what it is to actually keep making progress. Now, I want to start, though, by talking about a, a moment uh, in, in my own life that sometimes I don't look forward to, uh, but which comes around every so often. Has anyone ever had that moment where you realize it's time to clean out the refrigerator? And you just know... Now, it's, it's gotten too full. Uh, you're not quite sure what's in the back of it, and, uh, but you know it's time to clean it out. Anybody been there? Uh, and that's great. We can, we can be open and honest here. Some of you, though, are like, Dean, that is craziness. How is your refrigerator not always clean? I know some people are great like that. But sometimes uh, we end up, it's sort of like stuff kind of gets forgotten there. And has anybody ever had that other moment? Then when you find something that was in there, maybe packed back in there, and you pull it out, and you're like, hey, uh, hey, Levi, you could take this to school. Some kind of science experiment, I think. I'm not quite sure what it is. Perhaps you could research and figure out how to try and identify what this used to be. And, uh, you know, so because if stuff gets left there and it's not dealt with and the longer it stays there, it's like it just keeps uh, getting going from something that once upon a time was good and now it's actually not very nice at all. And the thought of even having to pull it out and deal with it becomes something that's like, oh, this is just not going to be fun. Now, we know maybe what that's like when it comes to maybe cleaning out a refrigerator, but let's be honest, we also all know what that's like in our lives. When we've had a moment or a challenge or a difficulty that we know, to be honest, we're going to have to kind of get it out and talk about it at some point, but we'd rather not. 
But there's no way to make progress unless we do. You see, we're going to look at a moment in Peter's life that we're going to call uh, the worst moment of his life. Today, uh, and it doesn't have to be the worst, we're going to look at one of the worst moments of Peter's life, but we're going to see it as a model for how we deal with, it doesn't have to be the worst moments of our life, but with those moments that if we're honest, we look back and think, man, I wish I'd done that differently. Or you know what, I actually know that's not, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's those moments you go, I know who I wanted to be as a follower of Jesus and that wasn't it. How, what do you do with those moments? How do we handle those moments? Because if we don't deal with them or process them well, they end up like just they get shoved to the back of our heart. They never get dealt with. And, and we think that there's enough other stuff in front of it, but it's still there. How do we process those? Because I'm convinced that so many people never get to keep making progress because they've just never quite understood how to process those moments well. So we're going to look, thankfully, uh, we won't have to look maybe at, at my life or, or yours specifically in, in one sense. We get to have the joy of the scriptures, which is going to show us a model for this in the life of Peter. We're going to see a scene from his life that helped him become who God was calling him to be and how Jesus helped him deal with what we're going to say is the worst moment potentially, probably, I think he would say, of his life. Now, many of us know that Peter probably, if he had to identify a worst moment in his life, it probably would have been the moment when he denied Christ three times. We know it was a moment that was painful because two of the gospel writers who tell us the story talk about how the moment he realized he'd done it, he wept bitterly. This was one of those moments that he looked at and he wept bitterly. Like it just, it pained him, it grieved him. It was that moment that he thought, man, that's not who he wanted to be. Jesus had actually warned him he would deny him. But he's like, no, I won't. I won't do that. That's not who I'll be. I won't be like that. But he did. It's his worst moment. I think the rough thing for Peter is that, you know, there's four gospel accounts. These are biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They all tell the story of Jesus in his life. All of them tell the story of Jesus last week before the crucifixion and resurrection. And they, different authors, leave out certain details. It's amazing. All four of them include Peter's denial. If I was Peter, I'd be like, really? We all four got to do it. Like, can't just one of you do it? You know, like, Mark, you're keeping it kind of short and succinct. Do you really need a spot for this? In there? You know, you're like, imagine having like one of your worst moments. Just kind of like, yep, it's going to. And then only one of the four which is John, who we'll look at today, only one of the four actually tells the story of how Jesus led him through that moment. I think if you were Peter, I'm also, I feel like he'd also got to be like, you know, really, like, you know, is no one going to tell the other side of this thing? <laughs> only John? Uh, so John puts it in there. And so we're going to look at how Jesus led Peter after that moment, after, after the, the moment he wished it had gone differently. Because if we can learn to process these moments well. If we can learn to do it quickly so stuff doesn't get kind of buried in the back of our heart, in the back of our soul, and it's actually just not doing any good there, and if we can actually learn to process it and deal with these things well, that's how we make progress. We can't make progress. We can't grow to be more like Christ unless we are willing to face our worst moments. And not just our worst moments, but just the moments where we where we miss who we wanted to be. Because if you're like me, that doesn't happen like once in your lifetime. If you're like me, it's a, it's a daily thing. It's a weekly thing of working out how do, I, how do I just keep journeying these things so that I can be more like Christ. 
So check out what Jesus does. There's two parts to the process that we're going to look at today. John chapter 21 says this. John 21, verse 7. It says, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. So they've just seen Jesus is on the beach. Jesus told them, let down your fish on the other side. After all this time, they still weren't great fishermen. Jesus says, go do it over there. They get the fish. And then they're like, oh, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him. He'd taken it off. He jumped into the water. He's running towards Jesus. He's not walking, he's running. The other disciples, they followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. He dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net wasn't torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Everyone, wherever you are, say breakfast. Breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. All right, this is a a famous scene in in Peter's life. Jesus is going to take him back to the moment he denied him in a moment. But I want you to just grab hold of this because this is the first part of learning to deal well with your failures, learning to deal well with the mistakes, learning to deal well with the moments you'd rather forget and leave in the past. The first step is that uh, you need to know and have an experience in your life, a foundation of Jesus' love for you. What I love uh, about this story is it starts with, you know, after everything that's kind of happened and gone down, with what Simon Peter has done. They'd seen Jesus was alive. And now when Jesus calls him, and, and before he's going to talk to him about that, uh, about that moment that caused the bitter weeping, before he's going to talk to him about that moment that, you know, if I was Peter, I'd probably have rather just forgotten about and left in the rearview mirror. Before that's going to happen, Jesus sits down and cooks him breakfast. That's right. Cooks him breakfast. Not just any breakfast, fish, fresh fish for breakfast. Now, I don't know about how many people have fish on a regular basis for breakfast. I don't know. It seems kind of strange. The only thing I know is every time I've ever had fish for breakfast, it was fancy. <laughs> I don't know if that, that's not true here. This is just pretty kind of par for the course. But just imagine it. Put yourself, in, put yourself for a moment in Peter's shoes. He's had this moment where he's denied Christ. Everything, the, the world's all been rocked. Jesus is, first he's gone. It's all, feels like it's over. Now he's back. Now here's Jesus calling him and he's walking over. And, and I just can't help but think perhaps somewhere in the back of his mind, that thing is still playing. What happened? What he'd done? It's not been talked about. It's just still there. And maybe he wondered, you know, how's this gonna go down? And Jesus alleviates any any sense of, uh, of him not knowing that, that he is for Peter. Do you know, to eat together, to, to have breakfast together, to sit in this circle was a moment of, of fellowship. Fellowship is a sense of being in community, in connection, in relationship to one another. And I, I want you to understand this because we're talking in a moment how we process those moments that are, that are difficult or painful or, or moments of, of failure. But to process those always takes place. If you're following Jesus, it is never 
from a place of this God who's out to get you and you messed up and I'm going to get. It is always from this place of a God who loves us so much. And he wants to make sure Peter knows that. So he's going to, he will cook him breakfast to help him know, hey, Peter, I'm for you. We're going to eat together. You know, you're, this isn't, hey, look what you did and now you're going to pay for it. A lot of people have a view. You may be someone watching this online and you think that kind of the way God operates, we get this stereotype. He's this big mean guy up in heaven. He's got a ruler and he's just waiting for us to mess up. And, and when we do, that's right. Boom, you got that wrong. And you better, you better, you know, fix it and you better get better. You better be. And that's not how it works. I love this is how Jesus works. He wants him to know, I love you. I love you, Peter. But he also wants him to know, I love you exactly how you are. But I love you too much to leave you there. Can I encourage some of you today, one of the things in your life of faith and walking with Jesus, if you want to become a person who can uh, hear God's, let's call it his correcting voice. One of the first things to lean into is to make sure that you can hear God's voice of love and welcome and acceptance in your life. He doesn't love you because you're perfect. The whole story of the gospel is that none of us will ever be perfect. Jesus was perfect so that you and, because you and I can't be and so that we don't have to be. He was perfect on our behalf. He went to the cross on our behalf. He was raised to life on our behalf. So let's give up the idea that any of us are going to be perfect. That's not what we're aiming for. But he wants us to experience us making progress and experiencing the life he has for us. And that starts with just knowing God is for you. God loves you. And Jesus will go out of his way so that you know he is for you. And when you have that foundation, that kind of security, then you can be in a position where you can actually hear from Jesus the things he wants to talk to you about so that you can experience more of the fruit of his spirit in your life, so that you can experience more of the life that is truly life. Jesus says, I come so that you might have life and have it to the full. And so he will never stop trying to kind of take out of our lives those things which would keep us from experiencing life in all its fullness. Because he loves us so much. Can I get an amen to that somewhere? Come on. You know, so watch now how he goes through this process from that foundation of love and security. After they've finished eating, we get the picture as it goes that this is a walk between uh, with, with Jesus and, and, and Peter uh, with John following kind of close behind. And they have this conversation. Watch this. This is such a great picture of how Jesus likes to work. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, it's time to clean out the fridge. It's time to deal with what we both know is there. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. You went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now we're going to look at this moment. Because if 
we can understand something fresh about how Jesus likes to work in our lives. This can lead us. At the core of this, what you see there at the end of it all is Jesus saying, follow me. At the core of it, what you say is Jesus saying, Peter, here's where your life is going. Here's the purpose uh, of, of your life. Here is, here is what I'm leading you towards. So Jesus is working to help Peter not miss his purpose for which Jesus has called him. He wants him to experience that in all its fullness. And I want you to know that that God has dreams and plans for how he wants to use your life to be a blessing to others, to love others, to be a part of his good work in this world. But for us to step into the things God has for us, we have to be willing to have these kinds of conversations with Jesus. And so Jesus asks him those three times, do you love me? Now we know in one sense what he's doing here is he's, he's, call, he's not going to, you know, just go, hey, we're going to talk. He's taking him to the moment. By asking him the three times, he's taking him back to the three denials. By asking him the three times, though, that what is at the core of it is he's saying, do you love me? Do you know, one of the reasons I think Peter's story does appear in all four is because this is all of our story. It's not just Peter's story. It's all of our story. Every time we choose something other than what we know is what Jesus wants for us. At the end of the day, we're denying him to some degree and choosing ourself more or something else that we love more than Jesus. Jesus is going to go, you know what? The heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. The heart of what's happened here is it comes back to G Peter, you know, who and what do you love most? And Peter, do you love me? And so Jesus is going to try and recalibrate his heart again. Jesus is going to help him know that we're going to deal with what's happened there and we're going to restore you by restoring your love for me and then that final uh, call again to him, follow me. Make me your Lord. Make me the one you're following, the one you're leading. That, make the purpose of your life to be about following and walking with me. You know, here's what I think is is quite helpful and instructive for all of us. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I think we live at a time in history when um, I see this frequently in people's lives. And uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. I had a neighbor once, and I was having a conversation with him, and, and we were talking about kind of spiritual matter. He didn't have any kind of faith in Christ. And, and he, he said, you know what, I've been thinking, of, here's the way I look at it and think about it, is I finally, he said, I realized, and I really love this guy. We had a lot of, of fun times here, so I don't want you to hear this through an incorrect lens. Uh, he was, but he said, I, th I realized, I think is it like this. I realized I'm perfect and I'm perfect just the way I am and I need to just, uh, and, and so that's what life is about, me just living from that space. And I said to him, you know, I, I, I understand that kind of sentiment. I'm like, but I just can't follow you there. I look at my life and I feel like I'm so full of shortcomings and so many times I kind of get it wrong. And so I tried to explain him a bit about the, the good news of the gospel and, and who Jesus is and why I kind of think this way. And what I, what I know, and I'm sure you observe it or will see it around us, is that we, we sometimes live in a culture and a world that wants to always say, hey, you are perfect just the way you are. And I understand that sentiment because people are longing to know they are valuable and feel some kind of security. But when we try to pretend that we're perfect when we know we're not, it keeps us from actually making progress. But for some, sometimes it's difficult to receive feedback or to deal with or talk about a difficult moment or a failure of ours that will always be painful and difficult if we do not have a bedrock foundation of God's love in our life. 
But when we know God loves us, that's what frees us from having to pretend that we are perfect. It's what frees us from feeling like we're never going to get it wrong. Because we know that, you know what, God's love for us, it doesn't depend on our performance anyway. We're not perfect. We need Christ. And that's where freedom comes from. Because we don't have to pretend as though we are perfect. And instead, we can start to make progress. Because we can let Jesus Help us understand ourselves and what we're doing and help us go forward. You know, when I was in um, the doctoral program I did a few years ago, uh, we had a course and it was on leadership. And we had this particular assignment that was, uh, I'll just say, was less than pleasant at the time, I would suggest. It was a bit of one of those clean out the refrigerator moments. And, it, and what we had to do was pick our greatest leadership failure. Not like a moral failure or anything like that. And, but just you're, you're a leader. At that point, I think I'd been a senior pastor about five years. Find your kind of biggest failure uh, at this point as a leader. And you're like, okay, that sounds like fun, right? <laughs> who doesn't, who doesn't want to focus on that? And then write a case study about it. Write it as though you're, you know, observer and you're looking at it. The people, the situations, the things that happened, uh, why you made the choices, what would you do different in the future. So you had to kind of write it in all this detail. Now, this was like round one of the assignment. So then you did that. And then uh, what you did was in a, a small group with some others, you gave everybody your write-up of your, your kind of biggest failure. And then you give each other feedback. You try and say, here's what I learned, here's what I learned. And then other people say, well, have you looked at it like this? Have you seen it like that? They keep asking questions. And the professor, you know, my assignment started like basically everyone's did, and that was part of his purpose with it. When you're a leader, sometimes you look and you go, okay, how can I learn from this? Well, in that situation, I chose X. Now with the benefit of hindsight, I wouldn't have chosen X. I would have chosen Y. That seems like learning. That's where I think a lot of us start when things go wrong, our tendency is to try and fix a behavior and go, well, maybe I should have done that. But in this assignment, you had to keep going, and the professor kept going, you've got to get in touch. It, it, trying to learn from it is not about going, next time I do X instead of Y. It's about understanding what, was, what all caused you to choose X instead of Y back then. How do you get to the heart? Because most of the choices and decisions we make in life, it's why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for from it is the wellspring of life. It's all flowing out of our, and so if we actually want to grow and make progress and get better, we have to understand our heart. So we had to keep on writing about this and fishing and going, have you thought about this and pointing out in our lives. We ended up, we had to write a play, a script of our worst <laughs> failure in leadership. How much fun would, it, would you find it? I don't know if that sounds good. Maybe we'll make it like a church thing we could all do together where you write a play and then you with your classmates act it out and you take people into that worst moment. And then you actually, but can I tell you, you know what I loved about this? At the time, it was not a lot of fun. But by the time you're all done looking at this, what I learned about myself was extraordinary. I would have preferred to have forgotten. I kind of thought, no, done, uh, that's it. Next time I'll do Y instead of X, I learn. But by having to go, this is one of the reasons I think Jesus asked him the question three times, and it takes until the third time to finally sink to his heart. Because sometimes we actually have to let Jesus lead us through to go, do you see what's in your heart here? I don't think Jesus really cared if I chose X or Y. What he cares is actually what is my, what's going on in my heart? And how am I becoming the kind of person who can carry out his plans for my life? Now, I just, I, I give you that example to just go, I think in life, a lot of us, we're following Jesus, and we, sometimes maybe, I think people I often meet, some people, 
they have no problem understanding God's love for them, but they sometimes forget to sit and have these conversations with him. I mean, other people who, they are always kind of beating themselves up here and they forget how much Jesus loves them. But to make progress is to understand God's extraordinary love that is always for you. And it's to be willing to have the conversations he wants to have so that you can keep moving forward. I, I didn't enjoy that failure project, I can tell you that. But when it was all done, I was never the same again. I learned about who I was. I was able to go uh, to some of the people that I thought, you know what, I didn't realize it, but actually there's some amends to be made. I could make things right. That could bring healing into life, into relationships, and into people. When we actually, I, because I was willing to let God help me learn through that, I got better. And some of us, the thing that is holding us back is we're too afraid to just have these conversations. But, oh, man, Jesus, he loves you exactly how you are. You are safe and secure in his love. But he also loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to keep helping you make progress. Because when we grow, what happened with Peter? Peter, here's my plan for your life. Here's, here's how you're going to glorify God with your life. Jesus had some pretty uh, big stuff for Peter. This is the kind of death you're going to die. Peter, Jesus knew who he was calling Peter to be. And he knew if they didn't have this conversation that I can only imagine. If I was Peter, I'd have been dreading it. I don't want to talk about that moment. I'm hoping we can just keep moving forward. But Jesus has to take him there so that he can fulfill the purpose for which Jesus had for him. In that moment, it didn't leave Peter kind of thinking, oh, man. Instead, it was like, oh, it was healing. It would have been freeing. I can only imagine the whole time they're having breakfast, if it was me, I'd have just been like, are we going to have to talk about that or is it done? Are we, forgot? Can we, just, are we done, Lord? But once they had that conversation, he never had to go there again. And he was free. And he ends up, he, you see Peter from this moment forward, You'll never see him called, I don't think in the scriptures, but he's not Simon Peter. He is the rock. He is Peter. He's becoming who Jesus wanted him to be. He's not perfect. You actually continue to watch him grow throughout the scriptures. It's not about perfect. It's about how do we become a little bit more the people Jesus wants us to be. Now, if you know you want to grow in that reality, here's, I want to give you a there's some people here who are going, yeah, I want that kind of walk with Jesus. I love that this story, it seems they're walking because at one point Peter says they turned around and saw that John was following them. So they appear to have been walking. This is a beautiful way to walk with Jesus. And I want to give some of you like, you know what, I want to build my ability to know God loves me. I want to dwell in that a bit more. I want to build my willingness to hear those corrective things so I can keep getting better. I want to give you a simple tool. This has been used throughout church history. Some of you may be familiar with it, but it's what's called the daily review. It's a way to walk with Jesus on a daily basis. I had a friend once who was going through a really tough time in life, and he said for one year, every night at 9 o'clock, he would do this. He, had been, he was in ministry, he was going through burnout, all these things, and at 9 o'clock, he just had an alarm set, and he would go do the daily review, and he said it was what helped him completely uh, kind of transform into a new space. It was one of the things that just carried him through that time, because it's about walking with Jesus. So here's how you do the daily review. It's just a, uh, a guy named Ignatius Loyola, I think is who came up with this centuries ago. And throughout church history, it's been a great way to learn how to walk with God and hear his voice in your life in a really healthy way, a bit like Peter does. So here's what you do. It always has five parts to it. Are you ready for this? Yes. Online, are you ready for it? I hope so. 
Because I tell you, this is one of those things that, you know, when you train yourself on something, like you can, you focus on it and a bit of structure helps. But the great thing is the more you do it, eventually you don't need it. It's like, you know, I can't do this because I can't play music either way. But I can only imagine there's a point where you got to really focus and get this note and get that note. But then eventually when you get really good at it, you just kind of play, right? And this is one of those things that if you focus on it for a bit, you'll learn some skills and eventually you've developed a greater capacity to hear God's voice in your life. Does that sound like a good thing? This is how, it always has these five parts. The very beginning of it, you say, God, today, I just want to walk through a review of my day. We all live life one day at a time. And if we can walk with Jesus on a daily basis, then we know we're walking with Jesus. And that's where change comes from. Progress comes from. So you say, God, I want to review my day. I want you to help take me back through my day. And the first thing you do, some people might think, oh, all the things. No, the first thing you do is what, because uh, in, in, we're going to use ours, is relish the great moments of your day. The first thing you do is look for God's goodness towards you, his grace towards you, play, ways he has demonstrated his love towards you all throughout your day. So you actually just, you just start to, let's suppose you're going for a walk as you do it. You just start walking. God, take me through the day. And you just let your mind go back to the start of the day and just slowly just kind of, you know, or at whatever pace you want, walk through your day and look for God's grace, his, his love towards you in every moment. I often, when I would, would do this, one of the things I often start my day with is, you know, some time alone with the Lord, and, and in particular as well, I, for whatever reason I find it, it helps me, is I'll have uh, some coffee when, when I meet with the Lord. He made Jesus fish, uh, or Jesus made Peter fish. I feel like Jesus, you know, enjoys coffee with myself. Uh, maybe I'll start getting some smoked salmon just to be more like Peter. I don't know. But, uh, but sometimes, I'm just giving you this just as one example, I often will find that's a moment where it might have had like the, a, a wild day. It might have been a challenging day, a difficult day. And I, I might have been like, man, was God anywhere in that? And then I think back to just, Lord, there's something just special about sitting for a, a couple quiet moments. And, and sometimes I always notice the steam that comes off the coffee. How many people ever sat and just watched the steam off a cup of coffee? And, and sometimes when I look at that, I honestly, I'll just say to God, like, you, God, just that little touch reminds me of what a beautiful kind of artist you are in your creation. You know, he didn't have to make steam come off it. It could have been that fire came off it. <laughs> I don't know. But he, he made it in such a way there's this beautiful, I feel like, steam. And it just reminds me, like, God, you're just a, you're a good God. And you make good things. And thank you for just being able to be a, a, see the goodness of your creation around me. But my point is this, as you go through your day, Sometimes we go through life so fast, we don't notice all the small touches where God's trying to tell you how much he loves you. Where God's reminding you of your goodness and, your faith, and his faithfulness. And, and if you actually slow down and say, how can I relish every moment? How can I relish, you know what, breakfast was a little bit crazy, but I got to give my kid a hug before they went out the door. Like not move past that and realize, wow, God, that was an extraordinary gift. Thank you for another day. Because the more you learn to relish and, and treasure and savor those moments, the more you will realize how much God loves you, how present he is with you. And the more you're confident in that and walk, knowing how great is the Father's love for you, then the more you're able to also have the second part of the conversation. That's where you request. You request the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, as I think about my day, 
Now I want you to show me if there are any ways, uh, as I review that day, uh, I want you to show me, uh, were there any ways that I, you know, that I, I, I missed it, that I failed you today, Lord, or that I actually stepped out of alignment with what you wanted? Were there any moments that I need to bring before you that we need to talk about so that they don't just get shoved back there? And then if he shows you something, you, you repent of it. And to repent means I just say, yep, you're right, Lord. That, that wasn't right. I, I really got short. You know, not uncommonly for myself, I might have to say, you know what? I, I was short with my wife, with Lisa today. That's not how you want me to, to be a husband. That's not what it looks like to, to love my, my wife as, as Christ loved the church. And, and now, Lord, I, I repent of that. And I'm sorry for that. And now I realize as well, maybe I was actually... It wasn't just about that moment, but, Lord, I wasn't trusting you over here in this. And that created pressure in my life. And so I realized actually it was at the heart of this is I wasn't trusting you enough. And I can repent and say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with that tomorrow. And then I'm going to do this last thing, which is resolve. I'm going to resolve to live better tomorrow. Lord, tomorrow I'm going to trust you with that. And I pray you'll help me to be more patient to the people I love. And I pray you'll help me to actually live the way you want me to live tomorrow. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to, and now that I realize that actually the way I, I acted wasn't right, I'll go and speak with Lisa and let her know, hey, I, I need to ask you forgiveness. Now, I'm sorry, I, I was too short there. That wasn't how I want to be. And, and then you make things right. And guess what? And that's just one example. And, uh, and some days I do this and, and it's not that I think the Lord says you were perfect today, but there's nothing giant that he pulls up and I can just kind of, wow, that's great. Thank you, Lord. But the more you do this, the more you do this. The more you can learn to just have a walk with the Lord where you're constantly aware of his love and goodness. And the more you're comfortable to kind of have him just show you, uh, hey, here's where we missed it a bit. And let's, let's deal with the heart. And it, where amends need made amends, let's, let's do those things. Because guess what? Then nothing gets left in the back of the fridge. Because if I didn't do that last part, if I was just short and I never actually made it right, guess what? That's like some old strawberries sitting in the back of the fridge and it just keeps on getting a bit worse and a bit worse. But when we actually get it out, we have the conversation. When we do what the scriptures talk about, we repent, we change, and, and we choose to live again in God's love, then guess what? We are making progress. And some of the things that maybe a few years back I had to keep on bringing out into that conversation, guess what? I'm making progress, and it's not happening as often or, or this kind of thing, but we are actually growing. Do you know God is counting on his people? God is counting on his followers to be, as he says, a, the light of the world, a city on a hill. He wants our lives to be uh, of such a quality, of such a... A difference that people can look and go, wow, that's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. But we will not keep making progress to be those light unless we continue to do what Peter did, to walk with Jesus, to know his love, and to be willing to hear his voice of correction. And not from a place of fear, but from love and security. It says, oh, that's right. Because I tell you, you might fear having those conversations. You might think it doesn't sound that much fun to go back over moments. But I tell you what, uh, if, if it is painful, it's painful for a moment. It is the most joyful, uh, life-giving reality if we can just learn to let God keep changing and molding and shaping us. Helping us make progress to be the people he wants us to be. And other people then just as Peter had to go feed Jesus' sheep, we become the kind of people who can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world, who can model a different way of living, where we don't have to pretend we got it all together, where we know love, 
because we know how much Christ loves us. And we know he loves us too much to leave us where we are. He is calling us into the most extraordinary life, life to the full. You know, I want to pray for you, church, today. And uh, so I'm going to invite you to stand. Wherever you are up in Marowa, stand on up. Right here at Malus, we'll stand up. If you're online, watching at home, just stand. We're going to pray. And I just want to pray two simple things. I'm going to pray that you would know more of the love of God in your life. You'd know more. Uh, you'd have eyes to see this week his extraordinary goodness and, and mercy and grace that is just his extravagant love in your life. And I want to pray that you'd have an ability to hear his voice that wants to gently lead you in the ways uh, that you should go. Never because he's mad at you, but because he wants the best for you. Because as we bring those two things together, Jesus' voice of love and Jesus' gentle voice of correction, it's how we make progress. It's how we become the people he calls us to be. So you want to be a part of this prayer, just open up your hands. It's a time we are reminded it's not about us. Uh, we don't have the strength on our own. We are not able to live that life on our own. It is about his work within us. And so we come with empty hands. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for each and every person desiring to know more of your love in their life. Uh, Holy Spirit, I know this is what you'd love to do. I pray even now you'd be pouring out a greater sense of your love in each person's life. I pray you'd pour out a greater, a really deep, deep bedrock knowledge that you love them, that you are for them. You are delighted with them. God, I pray there'd be some people who would be sensing even now through your Holy Spirit, you're just delight over their lives. And Lord, I want to pray that this week, uh, whenever they need to hear your loving voice of correction, they'd have ears that they could hear it and see it. Not so they'd ever feel bad about themselves, but from a place of security in you so they could get back, get back to following you. Those final words, follow me, so that, Lord, they just get right in step with your spirit. And I pray that the people uh, who surround them, I pray that whatever sphere you've placed them in, in families and homes and workplaces and schools, I pray that, in, pray that in all those places, as people are walking with you, there'd be a little bit more of your light shining. There'd be a little bit more of your love just being spread wherever they go. I pray they'd experience the, the difference and the transformation of your Holy Spirit in such a way that they just enjoy and delight for those moments of walking with you. So come and do what only you can do in each one of our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.